0: Hello, Farm Exec Podcast listeners. Welcome. I'm Fran Palero, senior editor covering sales and marketing. I'm here today with Kathy Ahern, senior vice president of worldwide commercial portfolio strategy at Bristol Myers Squibb. Kathy is a seasoned biotech executive with 25 plus years of market and portfolio management experience, including development, registration, launch, and commercialization across multiple therapeutic areas in the U.S. and globally. Today, we're going to talk about tearing down silos to bring innovative medicines to patients faster, essentially shortening that path between creation and delivery and the strategies that enable it. Kathy is a wealth of information, and it'll be interesting to get her take as BMS is a large company that took on another large company in Celgene about four years ago, I believe. Anyway, the lessons should apply to companies of all sizes and stature. So let's get rolling here. Can you tell us about your background and experience in the pharmaceutical industry, Kathy?
1: I'd be happy to, Fran. Thanks so much for having me. It's one of those questions that causes you to reflect. And as I was thinking back, it turns out my entire life has been in healthcare, it seems. My my dad is uh, or was a a pediatric cardiologist. And in high school, I was a pharmacy tech at our local pharmacy. So I, I guess it's at some level in my blood. After I went to business school, I joined Sharing Plow right out of business school and part of their management development program, which was a great opportunity because it gave me the opportunity to work across a number of different functional groups, business development and global marketing, US marketing, access. So it was a really good foundational opportunity. and, And that really led to joining Genentech at the early part of the century, which sounds like a really long time ago now, and I guess is. So I joined Genentech to join one of their new departments at the time. It was called commercial development. And it was this novel idea that getting commercial input and market insights into drug development might actually help you develop better drugs and get things to patients and to physicians that better met their needs. So that was a great opportunity. And it led to the opportunity to work on an exciting launch in the Avastin program, which I worked on for several years before transitioning then into a global opportunity following the Roche acquisition, which really brought me back to the commercial development space. In that role, I was working, again, across early development and late stage development teams and really connecting those teams to market insights. And that, again, led to the opportunity to work on a launch for an exciting program. So, you know, this cycle of Early development, late development, commercialization is something that's weaved its way all the way through my career and really is what created the opportunity to join BMS in a role that connects those experiences, working across the organization, across functions, and really with keeping in mind, how do we make sure that the science that we're developing, we're developing with the end in mind, that we're reaching as many patients as possible, that we're helping as many patients as possible, that we're really designing our clinical trials to deliver results that are impactful for patients that are really making a difference. And and that, I think, is sort of what ties it all together.
0: Yeah, it really seems like your, your entire career kind of led to this position. It all comes together nicely. I know that with such a large acquisition like the Celgene acquisition back in 2019, any company is going to face challenges on top of enjoying some benefits and advantages. Tell us about what that meant for BMS.
1: Sure. You know, I think it's, as you say, it was a large acquisition. It brought with it a great deal of opportunity. It also brought a great deal of complexity. You know, Celgene was a relatively large biopharma already. Certainly BMS is a large company. So then the question is, how do you make that complexity work for you? And I think, you know, the good news is we had a shared foundation and alignment around our why, right? Our purpose I think for both organizations was very clear. We were looking to make an impactful difference for patients with serious unmet needs. And so that alignment I think is foundational. And I think it speaks to some of the things and strategies that we use to break down silos and to bridge across functions, across therapeutic areas is, you know, how do you find that common ground? And I think that's, what's been important in making the new organization work well. And I think actually that Acquisition is part of what paved the way for creation of the role that I'm in today. Is you know the importance of creating that connective tissue across the organization, whether that's functions or therapeutic areas, and really providing a foundation for translating between development and commercial priorities. So you know one of the things that I think we've been able to do successfully, and that we'll continue to build on. Is working to improve the way that we are translating between development and commercial priorities, and that starts with a a common understanding and really understanding what are the issues that each of these groups is facing. You know, what are the challenges that we're facing in early development? What are the hard questions? Likewise, what are the hard questions and challenges that we're facing in the way that we develop drugs in the late stage organization? And then, as we bring drugs to market, and particularly as we think about a global marketplace and all the varying uh, access restrictions around the world. How do we then take all of those things, translate that and see the opportunities and, and creating common ground across the organization to, to really elevate what we can do for patients?
0: Okay. So let's actually get into how you did that. Let's get into specific strategies. What is it that breaks down these silos across you know large companies such as BMS and really makes cross-functional work hum? And what are the barriers and how do you overcome these barriers?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. It's a great question. I think, you know, it starts, I mentioned that one of the opportunities that we had with the Celgene acquisition was a shared purpose and a shared mission. And I think really that's where it starts. If you don't all work towards the same objective, you're never going to get where you need to go. So from my perspective, the most important thing is aligning objectives, aligning vision, really having a shared purpose, and then make sure everything falls behind that. Are your incentives aligned behind that? Are your work processes aligned behind that? Is your governance aligned behind that? And are we really making it easy for teams to work cross-functionally? I think one of the challenges with all sorts of good intention, it's easy to build up process and governance that meets the needs of a specific function to make sure that we're doing our functional work well. And to be clear, doing functional work well is critically important. We work in a highly regulated industry. Safety is paramount. All of those processes need to be working well. But we need to make sure when we're doing that, that we're not getting in the way of advancing the work for patients. And so I think it's it's around striking that balance and, again, that that deep understanding of what each of the functions is facing is what I think allows you to then look at the big picture and try and find solutions that allow you to meet those high quality requirements that we have within each of our functions, but also accelerate what we're delivering for patients. And I think where I've seen the greatest results is when we keep the patient in the center of our decisions and really think about what is best for patients and how do we make sure that that's what's driving Our overall agenda.
0: I admire that, and you know, I've interviewed people from BMS before. I actually wrote a piece on Chris Burner a while back. I love the the shared mission that the company has. You know, I think that it makes it a bit easier for you to keep everyone focused, right? And when it really does, it really does. And
1: I and I think it's also a way, you know, when invariably you're in a meeting or a discussion where you're tackling a tough problem and you you're getting down in the weeds, it's also a really great way to elevate and step back and give everybody a fresh perspective and say, okay, let's remember what we're solving for. And it, I think, helps people to sort of get out of their own way and really focus on the mission at hand.
0: That's nice. I know you spent a lot of formative years at Genentech and subsequently Roche with that acquisition. How did the approach back then differ to the approach now? And what valuable lessons did you learn that inform your strategy today?
1: I mean, I think there's a couple of things. One, you know, different organizations, Do things differently. But I think across the industry, there's a fair amount of consistency in the way that drugs are developed in many cases. But I think the reality is that drug development and commercialization has changed dramatically in the last 20 years. You know, what part of that is really great news, right? We've been able to advance care. 20 years ago, antibodies were, you know, just beginning to scratch the surface of their possibilities and opportunities. Today, antibodies are sort of. Uh, you know, what what small molecules were to us 20 years ago. So that kind of advance is super exciting, but what it does is raise the bar, which I think is a great thing, right? So the bar is much higher now for demonstrating benefit, for really advancing innovation. And so I think we're we're all challenged to to sort of rise to that occasion. You know, when I think about my early career, one of the things that was incredibly, valuable to me is as a relatively young commercial person, I had the opportunity to sit on early development and late stage development teams. And honestly, I'm not sure at that point how much I was contributing, but I learned an awful lot. And I I think those learnings are critical, again, to being able to help teams translate across different functions and break down those silos. Because I've seen those teams work through really sticky issues. I've seen teams work through, you know, what happens when you don't choose the right control arm? You know, how how does a statistical plan make or break your clinical study and the claims that you're able to make when you actually get out into the market? How does an understanding of the competitive landscape really influence the way that you're making your drug development decisions? So- The opportunity to really be exposed to some of those foundational issues in drug development pretty early in my career is, uh, I think, what's helped me to be able to see how all those moving pieces fit together. Because I think one of the things that make cross functional work come, as you were saying earlier, is understanding how all those pieces work together and how all the pieces connect. Because I think It's really easy to get very focused on the things within your remit or within your scope. But if you don't see how the things within your remit impact everyone else's work, you're not going to make the best decisions for the organization, for the opportunity, and ultimately for patients. And so I think helping people to see those connections I sort of think about whack-a-mole sometimes, you know, the the carnival game where you hit a mole on, on one hole and it pops up somewhere else. So I think we need to be able to see the board, right, see the big picture and see how all of those different things impact one another. At the end of the day, if we optimize for only one parameter or one component of drug development, whether that's development or commercial, we're likely not making the optimizing decision for the whole, And so I think, you know, all of the decisions we're making in in drug development and commercialization are really hard and they all involve trade-offs. And so understanding those trade-offs and, you know, if you optimize speed, what are you giving up in terms of, you know, breadth of applicability? If you optimize patient population, what are you giving up in terms of maximizing patient benefit? You know if you were to go for a narrower population, you could perhaps deliver a more transformative outcome, which is really what we're all here to try and do. So I think really understanding those trade-offs and, and those trade-offs play not within a function, but rather across. And so how do we help teams see those connections? And those are the lessons that I really take from my early days and, and the opportunity to see those tough decisions that that early and late development teams were wrestling with, and then understanding. Once I had the opportunity then to launch those drugs, how those decisions impacted what we could do in the commercial space, what went in the label, what are the claims we're able to make? What does it mean in terms of your access and reimbursement? And all of those things are connected. And so, you know, part of the role that I see my role as is, is helping teams to see those connections and making that easy. Easy is maybe not the right word there, but uh easier.
0: <laughs> easier. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. When you were talking, I was thinking about like a sports analogy, like you're seeing the whole field, you're able to anticipate mm-hmm. the next move. So it's kind of like you, and you brought up the whack-a-mole thing. It's kind of like, you know, you got the moles popping up, but you're ready to smack them down because you've been through these 20 years of formative experience and anticipate stuff. So I think that's great. So what did you do to create processes that actually help rather than hinder your workforce? Because we know that can happen.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure. You know, it's a couple things. One is really trying to diagnose what are the processes? Because I think one of the things when you have, particularly you have two large organizations come together is, you know, governance is different across different organizations, team ways of working. How do we think about putting a development plan on paper? How do we think about putting a commercial plan on paper? And, you know, so part of it is really just Surveying the landscape and seeing where you're at, and doing I think a relatively candid assessment of what's serving you and what is no longer serving you. And I think you know you have to appreciate that every process and every governance, every tool was created to serve a need. And in general, you know, you, you mentioned speaking to Chris Burner, our chief commercial officer. One of the things that that he said is, you know, nobody comes to work trying to put process in the way of progress. Like nobody comes to work trying to slow things down. All of those processes were created to solve a specific problem. But I think it's important that we step back periodically. And certainly after two large organizations come together, that's a good time to do that is step back and say, okay, of the processes that we have, which still serve our needs and which don't. And how do we have, you know, so we've been working through a lot of those things. And a lot of that work preceded me. I, you know, I joined BMS about three years after the Celgene acquisition. So a lot of that work has already happened, but there's still opportunities as we go forward. And then I think the other thing is to, is to look at the portfolio you have and what is that you need in terms of informing good decisions. And part of that is hiring great people who understand the therapeutic areas that they're in so that they know what is it that's going to make a real impact for patients in those settings. And then how do we help support them? How do we hire great people, hire great functional strength, give them shared, or, and many of them have it, they don't need to be given it, but ensuring that we have shared purpose and shared mission, shared objectives, and then get out of their way. So I think process from my perspective is around making things easier, not harder. And that's one of those things that's really easy to say and pretty hard to do, but it's something that we're constantly striving for. The other thing I think is really important, particularly in a large organization, and this is something that I think can be easier in a smaller organization, but isn't always, is communication and transparency. You know, one of the things that is critically important, I think, is if you're asking people to make good data-driven decisions and you're asking people to make enterprise-oriented decisions, right? thinking about that big picture, thinking about the patient at the end of the path, you need to make sure that you're giving them the information they need to make those good decisions. And I think one of the things that can be a challenge in a large organization is just providing people with transparency of information so that they can make those good decisions. And so one of the things that we've been working a lot on over the last 12 months or so is really elevating what we can do in terms of making consistent program information available to all of the teams so that we're all working with the same information. And then the second piece I would highlight, I think, is it goes back to what I was talking about earlier, which is the importance of shared objectives. And I think that's the other thing that we've been focused a lot on is how do we support the teams in creating compelling shared objectives that are really going to advance the cause, right? So how are we tying those objectives through to our ultimate goal, which is getting drugs to patients faster? And then how do we make sure that the work that we're doing is getting us towards those objectives? And at the end of the day, if we've done that well, that should help us to break down those silos. And it should allow also governance and management to be working in support of the teams And as enablers of the teams, rather than as a barrier or a a hurdle to the teams.
0: It's funny, as you were talking, I was like, hmm, how do you communicate effectively in such a large company? And then you just (laughs) brought up communications. It was great. Yep. Yep. That actually leads into another good question where it's, how do you see the role of cross functional collaboration evolving in the coming years, particularly as new technologies and scientific breakthroughs continue to transform the industry? And what advice would you give executives looking to stay ahead of the curve? I imagine you've been seeing a form of AI for a few years. And let me know if you're excited about things like chat GPT, because that definitely comes to mind when I think of like a ton of information, especially within a company, you have a corpus of information. It's not like worldwide information. So you have a finite amount of information that you need everybody to have access to, everybody to be on the same page. So I'm wondering what you think about this type of stuff and new tech?
1: I think it's really exciting. I'll be the first to admit that I know just enough about chat GBT to be dangerous, um, <laughs> which I think is true for a lot of people. You know, one of the things that is really exciting from my perspective in the tech space in pharma is technologies that are enabling patients to be more active participants in their health care. You know, we talked about the importance of getting market information into the development discussion and how do we make sure that we're developing drugs that meet patients' needs? Well, what better way to understand patients' needs than to hear from patients directly? And I think there's some really exciting emerging technologies that are making that a more streamlined thing. That's one of the things I'm really excited about. We're doing some work in that space uh, in cardiovascular medicine for sure, but I think that it has application across therapeutic areas. We have a new chief digital technology officer, Greg Myers. He joined the organization just after I did about a year ago. And this is something that I know that he spends a lot of time thinking about. So I think we're just beginning to scratch the surface of what that could mean. For patients, I think it also is technology that we can leverage. There's a lot of drug development work and commercialization work that is very labor intensive and I suspect that will continue to be true, but there's some elements of the work that we do that could probably benefit from AI technology and, and lighten the workload on those things where you know, it's not necessarily a big value add from a human component, but rather work that can be automated that frees us up to focus on the things where we really can add value with creative thinking and cross-functional collaboration.
0: Exactly. And I think that focus on the patient and what the patient's talking about out there is super important. There's so much to offer there. Well, let's wrap it up. It's been a pleasure talking to you again, Kathy. I think we should perhaps maybe check in six months down the road and have another conversation.
1: Fantastic. I look forward to it, Fran. Thanks so much.
0: Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Farm Exec Podcast, where we take you behind the headlines to provide expert tips from industry leaders. Remember, you can always find us on the web at farmexec.com, on Twitter, at farmexec, on Instagram, at farmexecutive, and on YouTube, Pharmaceutical Executive Magazine. The views expressed on this podcast do not reflect those of Farm Exec, its parent company, or advertisers. For editorial questions or to get in touch with the editors, please email us at pharmexec.com at mjhlifesciences.com. For sponsorship opportunities, please go to farmexeccom backslash advertise. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next time.